0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's OBA
1: with Arden Moore, this show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Arden Moore.
2: Welcome to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore, and this show is coming to you from Alaska. Yes, we're in the 50th state, America's final frontier. I'm on a seven day cruise aboard the Princess Sapphire, cruising along the Alaskan coast. And we're making land stops in towns like Ketchikan, Juneau, Skagway, and Anchorage. Always the reporter, I found some amazing people in Alaska sharing amazing tales. And you get to join me on a dog sled ride, too. All this and more after we take this quick commercial break. So sit, stay, mush. We'll be right back.
1: Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Obehave is back with more tail wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's Pet Edutainer, Arden Moore.
2: Welcome back to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I packed my digital audio recorder on my seven day trip to Alaska. Now, most of the time I was aboard the Princess Sapphire, but we did make land stops in several Alaskan towns. Now, as you know, Unfortunately, cruise ships do not allow pets on board. Well, at least not yet. We can work on that. But I did manage to catch up with a very stoic service dog, a Labrador, who was quietly but desperately looking for the only available place for him to relieve himself. And guess what? On that huge ship, the one place he was allotted was a corner under a stairwell on the seventh deck. I think it gives new meaning to the phrase poop deck. But he was there with his human companion, and they were there traveling, and they were having a good time. But I want to get right into it. So, have any of you ever been to Alaska, ever been to Alaska via a cruise? If not, you got to do it. It was a trip that exceeded any and all expectations on my part. So, what I'm going to do with you is share with you a little vignettes of people I've met along my trip. And we're going to start in Juneau. And I came across a gal named Amy and a Labradoodle named Duke. And they were right in front of this amazing statue. It's a statue of a bull terrier by the name of Patsy Ann. Now, this was a deaf dog that claimed to be owned by no one who somehow could hear and be the first to be ready to greet all the ships that came into the Juneau Harbor. So let's hear it from Amy and Woof, Duke. Hey, everybody, this is Arden Moore with the O Behave Show and Pet Life Radio. I am in Juneau, Alaska. That's a heck of a long way from San Diego. But of course, I had to get my fur fixed when I got off our ship and I found this beautiful Labradoodle by the name of Duke and his two legger is Amy. And Amy, what's your last name? Deem.
0: Okay, how long have you been in Juneau? I have been here six years.
2: Six years? hmm So tell me, where were you coming from and what made you land in Juneau?
0: Before this, I was living in Ann Arbor, Michigan, speaking of Midwest. Say yes
2: to Michigan. Uh-huh. Okay. And
0: I wanted a change of life, and I actually came here to go to grad school um, for teaching. Nice. So I, I got a master's degree at the university down the road, and I'm a teacher. What, what do you teach? I taught first grade, then kindergarten, and I'm usually not here in the summer, but I was going to have a visitor, so... Okay, here I am
2: tell us about Duke I want to describe him we're going to put his picture up on our podcast
0: site but this is a beautiful calm how much does this one weigh he weighs probably about 120 pounds more (laughs) or less yep and he is just the sweetest best dog well-mannered um you know he just sticks right by you he's just Wonderful.
2: So you have a dog in Alaska. What mm-hmm. tips would you have to others that are in, have a dog in Alaska?
0: Uh, well, depending on where you live, you know, in some places of Alaska it gets really cold. Yeah. So keep keep that in mind, you know. How here to keep his paws from getting frostbite and things like that. You know, a lot of times if I'm, well, he, you know, that does happen. Here it doesn't get too cold. It's really wet here mm-hmm. and, and in the snow. So if we go for a hike in the winter, you know. We try to keep his fur kind of short on his mm-hmm. paws because they get, you know, the the clumps. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people to do put, the booties. Have you so ever try you know, petroleum jelly. Oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, I that will. One, that one works really okay. good. Okay, but you know he, you know poodles like water and you know gold labs. So you know he's he's pretty good, but and it's not super cold here.
2: Okay, well, hang on. We're going to get interview him. Let's put you down here. All right,
0: Dookie. Oh, yeah. Oh, what you're such a too? good boy. He goes, whoa. So- I want to tell the four-leggers,
2: dress warm mm-hmm. or have oh, a heavy you're such coat, a good right? Boy. Oh, that's a great shot.
0: Such <laughs> a good boy.
2: Well, Amy, I really thank you for being a guest on our show. When the link comes, you've got my email, so please go ahead and do that. Thank um, you, Martin. Anything else you want to say about dog? Is it a dog's life in, in jail? It, it is a dog's life here. All right. That mm-hmm. sounds
0: great. All right. We're going to
2: continue on this adventure, but I had to get my fur fixed. Oh, last thing. You're yes. a teacher. Yes. The legend of Patsy Ann.
0: Oh, yes. Tell me. I, I walked by that. Oh, this is the most vocal I've ever heard him. Woo, woo, He's woo. very excited. Okay. Um, Patsy Ann. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a really good book about Patsy Ann. Okay. Written and illustrated by local people. There's a bookstore right up here. All right, but this was a bull terrier. A bull terrier who was no nobody's dog. A family bought it and like they brought it up. I read the story to my class this year actually, um, and I've read that sign a lot of times. So a family bought it, but and it was deaf. Right. And but it didn't want to stay with the family. Like it kept wandering and wandering, and then the family is like, well. I don't really know. I guess the dog wants to be somewhere else, and uh, someone else tried to keep, keep it, and it, the dog kept wandering, and it liked to be on the docks. And even, like, all the, the boat guys yeah. who used to live right in a building up there that's now Centennial Hall, Patsy Ann would kind of go there and, and uh, sleep, and they'd feed her, and they tried to be nice to her, and they tried to give her a collar, yeah. but she, like, took it off. She's like, <laughs> I don't want to be anyone's dog. I'm just here. Relax. I just just here doing my thing now she was deaf the interesting thing about her was she was deaf but she could always tell when ships were coming in Yeah. so I don't know if it was the vibrations she's not going to tell what. you yeah. it has her and, um, oh this was one thing another cool thing about her the dog catchers came to get her and they captured her but everyone in the town was like no that's our dog. She's nobody's dog, but she's our dog, and they let her kind of roam the streets, and there's that big statue of her, uh-huh. and she lived a long life, and just... Well, we yeah. salute Patsy Ann. Yes. And I'm glad I touched her statue, uh-huh. and I thank
2: you very much for being on our show, Amy. You are
0: welcome. Thank All you, right. Arden. Pause up.
2: Pause up. That's quite an amazing tale, wouldn't you say, listeners? Okay, now a little bit about Juno. I did not know this. It is the only capital in the entire country that has no road leading into it. The only way you can get to Juno is by boat or by plane. Now, talk about staging a political campaign in Juno. That could make it a little rough. So. While we're in Juneau, I did get on a seaplane, and we flew into a place called the Taku Lodge. That's T-A-K-U Lodge. And I ran into a great guy by the name of Rhett Morgan. He's got a pack of labs. And yes, while we're enjoying our salmon dinner, there was really a black bear up a tree within maybe 100 yards of us checking us out. So here's my little fun visit with Rhett. Hey everybody! This is Arden Moore with the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio, and our adventures in Alaska are continuing right now. I am looking. I'm in Juneau. I'm at the uh, Taku Lodge. Taku Lodge, <laughs> and I'm with this really cool guy. His name is Rhett Morgan, and he just gave us a little history on it. And there's a, about four labs running around, and a nice brown bear who helped herself uh, to trying to find some scraps from our grill, right? Right. That,
4: All right. right so correct. tell me a
2: little bit about the history of this lodge, the Taku Glacier Lodge.
4: All right. So the main the main story is that it was built in 1923. Uh, it was one of the very first uh, hunting and fishing lodges actually built here in Alaska. Now um, it had a couple of different owners, but the main one that we talk about in the speech is Mary Joyce. So now, okay. she uh, she's known around Alaska here for a bunch of different things, but mainly uh, it's the thousand-mile dog sled trek that she made from the lodge here all the way to Fairbanks. Um, so there's a Fairbanks Ice Carnival every year, and it's a celebration of the end of a long cold winter and start of a nice warm spring up there. And Mary thought that this would be a good way to get the get the word out about her dogs around the state of Alaska. And so what, she, what
2: year was this, Rhett?
4: This one, uh, the the trek was in 1935. As okay. Okay. she went out on it. So she was 36 years old. Uh, she went on that trek. Um, it took her 92 days, 52 of which were actually moving with her huskies. Uh, the other half was spent um, basically... Uh, shut down because of the weather. Um, really harsh weather, 70 mile per hour winds and 50, uh, 50 degrees below zero.
2: Did she make it?
4: She did make it on time. All five of her dogs were healthy and in good shape and uh, because of that her uh, Taku Lodge Huskies became pretty popular around the state of Alaska.
2: So you're a gentleman from Colorado. What Colorado. are you doing in the uh, really real back country of Alaska?
4: Uh, so I went to college in Colorado with the owner's son actually. Okay. And so that's kind of how I got my job up here. We became, became really good friends. Uh, became pretty good family friends with the owners then and they offered me a job up here and that's uh that's how I got out here now most of the people that work out here are either family or family friends
2: you've got uh, a family of uh, labs here tell me right. about the rundown
4: so uh, we have four labs we have two yellows two blacks the oldest one is named Roz and she's 12 years old uh, then we have the second oldest is Bella she's eight and then Avit who is four, and then Luna, who is three. And Roz is a grandma, Bella is a mom, (laughs) and the two kids are Luna and Abbott.
2: Talk to us a little bit about the bears, what type they are, and how are dogs and bears around here? How do they get along or don't get along? Because you weren't very worried about Luna being loose (laughs) on the trail with
0: us.
4: So around the lodge here, we get both species. We get brown bear and black bear. Now, the most um, common one that we get in the yard is black bears. And when those things come around, the dogs are basically our alarm system. So they'll either smell them or they'll see them before we do, and they'll bark and kind of uh, that's kind of our alarm system to get somebody out here to take care of the bear. Okay. Um, now, sometimes the dogs get a little carried away with it, and they'll chase them up trees and chase them out of the yard. So these ba- um,
2: your dogs are not more than 50, 60 pounds, and right. these bears are how much?
4: Um, some of the bears around here, our biggest one's probably around 450 pounds. Um, and uh,
2: they're saying to a 50, 60-pound exactly. lad, oh, yes, sir, yes,
4: ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs go in a pack for the most part, so I think when, when the bears see the dogs kind of running at them, uh, with four four labs, uh, it kind of scares them a little bit. But yeah, the the bears are actually really uh really afraid of the dogs around here.
2: And you are a man who carries. How tall are you, Rhett?
4: I am six two.
2: You are six two. How tall is this big stick you're uh, carrying? this one's
4: probably around six six. six all seven. right,
2: tell us the secret of this big stick you're carrying with us. So
4: the stick we all, we call them bear sticks. <laughs> it's kind of a funny name, but the the main the main use for the sticks is when bears come in the yard. Uh, Instead of having them run around the yard here freely um, where they can actually get up to the grill and steal the fish, we actually will chase them up trees. And when they climb the trees, we'll give them a little poke in the behind and send them (laughs) a little bit higher up. And it keeps them up in the tree at a manageable, uh, manageable height where we don't have to worry about them running around on the ground and running through people.
2: Now I'm a pet behaviorist I know a lot of its tone and posture. Right. It sounds like you're doing the same thing for these mega e- pound exactly. bears. Exactly.
4: Yeah. So black bears in general are pretty skittish themselves around people. So as long as you let them know that I mean you're not afraid of them and that you're kind of in charge of the situation around here, they're not going to come anywhere close to you. They're going to they're going to stay away at a pretty safe distance and they'll huff and puff and bluff charge and they'll try to act tough, but as long as you show them that you're not afraid, uh, they'll pretty much they'll pretty much not listen to you but they'll, they'll be they'll behave you.
2: <laughs> now, Alaska obviously is a big state, but it seems like just looking in uh, Juneau downtown, it's quite the dog's life.
4: Yeah, there's a it's a very dog-friendly city. All the stores downtown, uh, sometimes there's dog bowls laid out on the sidewalks. People walk their dogs downtown, stores let dogs in. I think everyone that I know in Juneau has at least one or two dogs themselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a really, really good spot for dogs. And believe it or not, there are some sandy beaches and areas here that mm-hmm. are really, really cool places for dog walks at night during the sunsets and stuff. So no, you, no
2: dog surfing yet. Like no, my dogs? no,
4: no dog surfing. There's actually surfing in Yakutat, Alaska, but uh, it's 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 pretty cold, and I'm not sure how the dogs <laughs> would handle that. So
2: all right, any partying advice you like to say, Red, about why people should take a tour and get here?
4: Um it's it's an amazing spot so i mean taku lodge is located there's a hole in the wall glacier literally directly in front of it uh you fly over five of the main glaciers found in juneau here we cook an amazing meal so we got salmon baked beans coleslaw biscuits and bread ginger snap cookies
2: i can um, tell it's all delicious too <laughs> folks i had it i had to taste it myself it's delicious
4: yeah we uh we we spoil our guests here uh pretty good. Everyone, everyone, uh, for the most part, leaves here with a big smile on their face, and they're really happy about the, about the tour.
2: Well, I'm happy and delighted we had Rhett Morgan on the show. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, you are going to get to hear from the first woman who ever won the Iditarod dog sled race and get to join me, well, at least audio style, on a clap, 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 dry dog sled run up in the Yukon Territory. All this and more after we take this quick commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back.
1: Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages.
2: Molly, here's your dinner. Zeus, that's not your food.
1: Purchase your cat tree trade today. Go right now to cat That's CatTreeTray.com. tree C A T T R E E T R A Y.com. Let's talk pets.
3: Let's talk pets
1: on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet, Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. .com. <laughs> We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to o behave. Here's Arden.
2: Welcome back to the O Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore, here in Alaska. Now, right now, to set the scene, I'm sitting in this huge auditorium on the Princess Sapphire, and our guest about to speak is the one and only Libby Riddles. Libby Riddles, you say. I know that name? That's because she is the first woman to ever win the 1,000-mile Iditarod dog sled race. And she was here to give a little bit of insights into what it's like to be a, a musher, what these dogs are all about, and more. And I got to tell you, she's great. She's written many, many books, including some children's books. One of them is actually about a cat. It's called Danger, the Dogyard Cat. She's a great gal. I'm going to have her as a guest on our show in an upcoming episode so we can learn more. But just to give you a quick rundown, in 1985, she was the first woman to win the grueling 1,049-mile Iditaride Dog Sled Race. She went with her team of dogs from Anchorage to Nome, and she survived a real dangerous winter storm. It swept across the sea ice on Norton Sound. And she was able to survive and get through. She now lives with an 11-year-old cat named Danger. And are you ready for this? Fifty-seven sled dogs about a few miles out of the city of Nome. So what she's going to do now, we're just going to do a little, little sneak peek. She's talking to all of us about what it's like to have to navigate on ice and sometimes zero visibility with a pack of huskies. So let's tune in.
3: Frozen River. It looks like a highway to my dogs. That makes sense to them to keep going down the river. What if I see the trail marker over on the side, though? It means we're supposed to take a 90-degree turn off the river into the woods. You know what? When I holler G to that big string on the fly, if they don't respond instantly, I mean, the least that's going to happen is we're going to be in a big tangle of waist and a half an hour turning around to catch that turn. But it could be a lot more dangerous because it's probably some obstacle like bad ice, and that's why the trail's routed off that way anyway. So if we don't totally trust each other out there, we're never going to make it to Nome. So we have to know all about these dogs. Most mushers raise the dogs from puppies. We know them inside out. Where they run best in the team. We got to know how to feed them. We do a lot of our own vet work. We have to be really well organized to pull off something like the Iditarod. And you need a lot of experience. I mean, really, it's been kind of an interesting last couple of years in the race because usually it's the older experienced mushers who win this race. But in the last two years, we've broken some interesting records. Uh, I was the third youngest musher to have won at 28 years old. Dallas Seavey two years ago bumped me out of line, and he's now the youngest musher at 26 years old to win it. But last year, his dad beat him and became the oldest musher to win it at 53. So there's this whole wide range of people that do this. And believe me, we've got to be in good shape. I mean, part of what makes a musher tough is part of what makes a farmer tough. I mean, we've got animals to take care of every day of the year. But when you're out on the Iditarod, I mean, it's going to test you harder physically than you ever thought possible. I mean, between the cold and not sleeping... And we work. We work in the checkpoints, taking care of the dogs, and when we're going down the trail, it's not like we just get to stand there. We're always having to steer the sled. Uh, We kick, we ski pole, we run up the hills. And really, it takes years to learn how to drive a sled behind a big race team. You're playing Crack the Whip at speeds of like 20 miles an hour on these really rough trails. And we build the sleds flexible so the musher can help actively steer. So say you've got a big corner coming up. You know, you get your body weight kind of down, and then you can use the handlebar to get on the edge of your runners, and if you do it just right, you kind of skate-ski around, crack the whip behind those wheel dogs. But if there's a branch or a stump or something in the middle of that corner or you misjudge and you end up doing a somersault and flying off into the bushes instead, do you really think that big race team is just going to be found sitting, waiting for you when you get up? They probably won't even know they lost you off the back. I mean, the team's job is to run, and your job is to hang on.
2: I mean, seriously, folks. Some of us complain because our dog yanks on our leash. Can you imagine trying to navigate through tundra with a pack of 8 to 13 dogs? Well, we're going to definitely get her on our radio show. Okay, moving on now. One of our stops was in the Yukon Territory, and it was something I was really, really looking forward to, and that was to go on a dog sled ride myself. Okay, so, my vacation was in July. There's not a lot of snow on the ground in the Yukon Territory. So, what they do at that location is they set up the dog teams and you do a dry ride. In other words, you get to clap, clap, clap around we did about a mile through the woods, and our navigator of the ride is a gal named Simmy and she was just so expert at making hairpin turns and quick turns. The dogs listened to her saying the word gi or, or other quick signals, and uh, I was on board with my sister Deb and my friend Jill. So here you go. This is me actually on the dog sled. Take a listen. This is Arden Moore with the O Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm in the Yukon Territory, and it's not me yapping. It's a pack of dozens of Alaskan husky mixes. We're doing the dry run version of dog mushing. I'm with my sister Deb and my friend Jill, and we've got a three person car to ourselves. They're lining up the dogs right now in a row. And I uh, guess you all know, Chipper, my dog, is a Husky Golden Retriever mix. So I feel like I'm seeing a little bit of Chipper all over here. We're going to go on a little uh, one-mile trek. They're lining up the dogs on the team. I believe we're going to have one, two, three, four. So far, we've got four dogs lined up and more to follow. Wow, that was quite a ride. I would love to be able to do it sometime back when it's in the snow. But I don't know if I really want to go to Alaska when it's really cold. So it's something I haven't decided about doing yet. On our trip also, I met a wonderful chap. I can say that because he's from Ireland. His name is James Coleman. And he was our guide throughout the whole day in the Yukon Territory. And he really is like a historian, a tour guide and he really loves animals, and I want to share with you right now what he has to say about life in Alaska. This is Arden Moore with the Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. As I told you, I'm continuing my adventure in the great state of Alaska. Well, technically, I'm not in Alaska right at this moment. I'm in a territory of Canada, and with me is my tour guide for this day, and he is James Coleman. Hey, welcome to the show, James.
5: Thank you very much.
2: All no, right. Nice you. Now, you said you're from Arizona, but that sure doesn't sound like an Arizona accent to me.
5: I, I guess not. I guess even though most people in Arizona are not far from Tucson are not from there either. I'm okay. originally from Ireland, from okay. County, County Cork.
2: So you go from Ireland to the hot state of Arizona to the cold other a state of Alaska what brought you here five months a year to do the tours
5: well it was back in 202 when I started and I had a friend in Tucson that said uh, that she'll go to every once in a while we'll need some help up there why don't I give them a call and I did and that's how it all started
2: okay so tell us about today you told us some really good stories about the Alaskan Husky we just got off a ride it was wonderful what are some things that might surprise people about this so-called breed Alaska Husky that may surprise them because they're not gigantic
5: no, they're not gigantic. You see, the thing with the Alaskan Husky is that uh, there are many bloodlines. When you look at the dog, you'll see some, some wolf, maybe a little bit of Malmute, obviously some Husky, and now they're even breeding into some of them some Greyhound to make them more quick for the races. Right. They, they run the two big races here in the north every year.
2: And we know all about the Iditarod, but tell us about the other race that's quite a marathon.
5: It is, and it's run in the month of February, and it's, it's pretty much um, a Yukon race. It's from uh, a Whitehorse here in Yukon. Mm-hmm. to Fairbanks, Alaska. They alternated every year. Next year, then, it's from uh, Fairbanks back to Whitehorse. How Horse. long is it? It's almost 1,100 miles as well.
2: Wow. Have you ever been on the back of a sled team in N- the snow yet? No, I haven't. Is that on your bucket list?
5: I was hoping to do it one of these days, but I, I'm not sure if I can get away from the warmer weather of Tucson and do it <laughs> in the winter. But, uh, yeah, I, I would hope to do it down the road, yes.
2: And What's something about the state of Alaska that you would like to bring up? Because we're, we're now technically in Canada and the territory in Yukon, but this is this is an amazing state. I've been here a few days, and I'm, I'm falling in love. It's sort of magical.
5: Uh, yes, it is. Uh, I suppose, like you said, I, I like it here because of the. it's a little bit cooler for me in the summertime. But it's mostly just uh, the fact that I'm an outdoors person. I really like uh, hiking some of the trails, and we do a lot, quite a bit of fishing right. on, on the canal. And uh, everybody in Skagway has a bicycle, so you ride your bike everywhere. <laughs> so for me, it's just uh, basically the ability to be outside. And, and to enjoy the long days and the daylight uh, for the summertime.
2: Hey, you've been doing a great job taking us all around. Tell us where we are here before we uh, have to take a commercial break.
5: Okay, this is a and we're in Yukon and we're in a little uh, area called Caribou Crossing. It's right next to Carcross, a small little town of about 400 people <laughs> and and uh, and this is where they have this facility. This is a private facility here owned by a couple Greg and Denise and um, this is where uh, most of the people from Skyway come to have their lunch and do this kind of entertainment.
2: Now you said something that we were going to have a lunch a sled ride and tour the facilities in about hour and 10 minutes and i'm looking at my watch i'm saying how can we do that i can't believe how fast we ate that chicken dinner
5: right lunch. but they're very efficient aren't they <laughs> that's that, that's their uh, that's their philosophy here with that uh, buffet style style lunch that because they have to deal with so many people during the week sometimes up to close to a thousand lunches some days and they do it as you said all within maybe an hour, an hour and a half Okay. And uh, did it very well. Yeah.
2: What would be one thing you would want people to never overlook if they come up to this part of Alaska on a, either a cruise ship or just as a vacation? What's something as a must see that maybe your company does?
5: Well, I think uh, usually we try to we try to promote the fact that um, number one, people are on vacation, and we want them to have a nice time. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming into a place like here in Yukon, it's just if nothing else, you know, you have very low population, mm-hmm. but you have fantastic scenery. Oh yeah, and, and I think just the the ability maybe to be able to see that as well as you know so little traffic on the road, like especially if you come from a big city or a big town, right? It's it's so pleasant to be a part of this.
2: I'm from the San Diego area, okay. so it's a bit of traffic. Yes, it is. You know, this is Ardenmore, Arden in Alaska, on the O Behave show on Pet Life Radio, and I'm delighted that one of our special guests today has been James Coleman. You're a great driver, oh, a great good. tour, and a great chap.
5: Oh, thank you, thank you very All much. All right, so take wonderful care. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you very much.
2: What a great guy. And as a special treat, I hope when you go on the Old Behave show on Pet Life Radio, under the episode bio, for this episode I hope you click on a fun video it's me in the dog sled ride with my sister Deb and my friend Jill and it was uh, provided by our friends that we met on the ship Noreen and Larry Larson so when you get done looking at this episode click on the video and we've got some photos too from Alaska I hope you will enjoy that Well, that about almost wraps up our show. Before I leave, I wanted to tell you a little bit about Alaska that I was totally surprised about. And that is that they have mosquitoes. Can you believe it? What are these, like mosquitoes wearing, like, winter coats or something? But they do. So you have to protect yourself if you're doing any land trips in the summer. Make sure you bring some mosquito spray. I'm kidding you not. But... They don't have fleas in Alaska, so that's pretty cool. The other thing is we got to see so many American eagles, and I did not realize this, but the juvenile eagles don't have that wonderful white top on their head. They're brown, actually. But they were flying around so much, I I almost got, like, blase about it. But we went on a boat tour, and there they are, landing high, high up in the trees. We also saw the wonderful Bridge to Nowhere, which is apparently Sarah Palin's deal when she was the governor of Alaska. And it's this bridge, I'm not kidding you, on this tiny island. And there's nothing else on it but a bridge. I guess that's our tax dollars hard at work. But I enjoyed the trip. I hope you get a chance to do so. We need to explore our country and beyond. It gives us a great appreciation for other people. One day, hopefully, there'll be a cruise ship for us with our well-behaved pets because the one thing about this trip, I miss Chipper, Cleo, Murphy, and Zeke. It's great to travel, but it's even better to travel when we can travel with our pets. So before we say goodbye, I want to give a special thank you to my producer, Mark Winter. He makes this show happen each and every week. And also, we always give you a healthy tip from our sponsor, Family Pet, the Knowledge Center. So this one is doing a shout out for all you cats and how to really use a flea comb on their coats. Here we go. A flea comb is an essential tool when checking for fleas on your cat. Now, while plastic flea combs can work, flea combs with the metal teeth tend to move through your cat's coat much more easily and effectively. When you're combing for fleas, you need to be sure the teeth of the comb penetrate the coat all the way to the skin. Keep in mind, fleas avoid light, so they'll be in the deepest, most dense part of your cat's fur coat. Comb slowly and deliberately. Fleas tend to gather densely on your cat's rump, the section of fur on his lower back, near the base of his tail. Now this is the best spot to look and check when you're trying to find fleas. You may choose to comb anywhere that your cat will tolerate, but evidence of fleas is typically most obvious in this spot. You're going to want to comb through this area about four or five times. You may end up with some shed fur between the teeth of the comb. You want to look through that fur and between the teeth of the comb for any signs of fleas. Now, you may see live fleas caught in the comb or in the fur. If you see one flea, you can assume that there are a hundred. And you should treat your cat for fleas according to your veterinarian's recommendation. Now, if you don't see any live fleas, you want to look for any evidence of flea dirt. Flea dirt is a common term referring to yuck. Flea feces. Now, the flea feces looks like black dirt or flecks of black pepper. Some of the flea dirt may be in the shape of a number 6 or the letter G. If you suspect that you're seeing flea dirt but think it might just be dirt, you can place it on a damp paper towel. Here's what happens. Flea dirt consists of feces from digested blood after the flea feeds on the blood of your pet. So when it becomes moistened, that black flea dirt will leave dark red marks on the paper towel. You will typically find flea dirt earlier in the infestation than you will see live fleas. As with live fleas, if you see flea dirt, you can assume there are already a lot of fleas on your cat. Ask your veterinarian for a recommendation on treating your cat right away. So using a flea comb can help you catch a flea infestation in its earliest stages, and that will make removal of the fleas easier than if you're dealing with a severe infestation. You know, we love our cats. We don't need them to be itch, 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 bite, bite, bite. And we don't need a house full of fleas. So this is a message brought to you by our sponsors, Family Pet. All right, I hope you go to Alaska sometime. If you do, share with me some of your highlights of your trip. Be safe. Make sure you have a professional pet sitter or somebody really responsible to be able to take care of your pets who will be home alone, send them a postcard. They might enjoy it. So, until next time, this is your flea free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four leggers out there. Oh, behave.
1: Coast to coast and around the world, it's all behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from Wagging Tongues and Tails in Rin Tin, Tinseltown.